It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to win. We must love and support each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. If you have been to some of the rallies or vigils or protests for racial or intersectional justice in St. Louis in the last year or three, or perhaps if you have read certain blogs or papers or heard podcasts or things like that, there's a decent chance that you may have heard these words of Black Panther activist Asada Shakur return again and take root again in the protest movement. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to win. We must love and support each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. Last week we heard from Luke that Jesus is about liberation, about setting people free from our chains. This week we hear from Paul that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Liberation. Freedom. And then the calendar and the newspaper add independence. This is a week when I am grateful for the lectionary's sense of timing because the lectionary, when it gives us Galatians, always does so right around Independence Day. And our national and sometimes international history and culture often invite us to conflate liberation and freedom with independence. Certainly these things are not unrelated. When we are bound or colonized, we are limited in ways that God never intended for us. God does not intend for any of God's people to be prevented from living fully, from living in ways that bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We are meant to have our independence from structures that oppress and destroy, whether those are governmental or church structures or family systems or anything else. And so in this sense, freedom and independence are inextricably related. But they are not identical. Maybe more than anything else, the freedom Christ brings us is the freedom to live in community with other people and with God. And this is a little contrary to our usual notion of freedom and the ways that we conflate it with independence. Our Western notion of freedom grows mostly out of a pure individualism, so that freedom for most of us in the Western world has to do with being totally unrestrained. We are free, we believe, when we don't have to consider anyone else but ourselves. We are free when we can set our own timeline for conversion when we don't have to think about consequences, when we are free to be as selfish as we please, to be wholly self-sufficient and thoroughly independent is our goal. The most famous words of the Declaration of Independence read, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Over time, our understanding of who is included in all men has changed, as has our culture's agreement on which rights are the inalienable ones and what's covered under pursuit of happiness. 
But these words have been among the great guiding forces for those who built and continue to build our nation, those who worked and still work for justice and liberty for all people at home and abroad. And Paul agrees with nearly all of it. He says that in Christ all are created equal, no longer Jew or Greek, no longer slave or free or male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Paul says that knowing Christ and living in God's kingdom means respecting certain rights of others because they are God's. Be careful, then, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. He says that we ought not to deprive others of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Paul generally agrees with our founding fathers about these things, but he takes a slightly different view of what it means for one's own rights to be endowed by our creator. For Paul, we have no rights apart from what God gives to God's people. Everything we have, everything we are, even who we are as free people, all that is a gift from God, not to one person, but to all of us. It was never something that we could earn on our own. We have to become dependent on God in order to accept the gift of Christ's freedom. As Madeline Lengel says, God promised to make you free. He never promised to make you independent. Our freedom is the freedom not to do whatever we feel like when we feel like it, but to take up Christ's yoke. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What happens once you've exchanged the yoke of slavery for the yoke of Christ, which is easy and light? It turns out, though this verse doesn't come until the optional part of next week's reading, that the yoke of Christ is to bear each other's troubles and pain. Bear one another's burdens, Paul says. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We human beings are all in the enterprise of life together. And the journey isn't easy for any of us, writes Lengel. For me, church has always been about being in this together, but together with God. And helping each other along the way. Life is about that, but the ministry of the church is reminding us of that telling and retelling the story among ourselves and in the world, seeking Christ in all people and places and pointing out, look, there, there is Christ. A friend once called it seeing the world through stained glass glasses. And I love that phrase not only because it places due emphasis on seeking Christ in the midst of and as part of a wonderfully diverse world, but because I think it implies and reminds us of one of the great temptations of the church, which is to pull inward and isolate ourselves within our stained glass, losing touch with the reality of the world that we might see through it. It reminds us that our attention is needed elsewhere. In one of her autobiographical books, Lengel talks about her family each being in pain over someone dying 
and each of them has as much individual pain over it as they can stand, maybe more than they can stand. But they hold the pain between them in the middle, and they each hold some of their own pain and some of each other's. And by holding it in the middle, they are able to bear it. Individually, it is too much, but when no one is responsible for all the pain and it can be held in the middle, it is a little easier to bear up under it. As Paul says later, each of us must bear our own load, but your burdens become lighter because I share in them. My burden does not become too weighed down with others' troubles because you are there to share my load. If you have come here to help me, says Lilla Watson, an Aboriginal activist, then you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. Or if you prefer the parlance of Hamilton lyrics, we'll never be truly free until those in bondage have the same rights as you and me. It is not our duty or our joy or our destiny to win independence from the body of Christ or from the world Jesus loved and died to save or from community with each other and with God. It is our duty and our joy to win our freedom, the liberation that is bound up in our siblings' liberation, the freedom to love. The first and great commandment is this, says Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two great loves hang all the law, all the commandments, all of creation. Don't look back. Love and support each other. You have nothing to lose but your chains. Amen.